Talk with Vicky Baez and JC. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, for this special edition of HR Talk, the Marine Corps Birthday and Veterans Day episode. As always, it's our pleasure to be here for you. You just heard us the other day, and now you got another dose of us coming right at your face. Here we are. I'm JC. My co-host for the day. The man, the myth, the legend, the guy that had the opportunity to sit down with our guest for 45 minutes of solid fun in the sun. You know him. You love him. Actually, you you uh, you gently tolerate the guy. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Ricky Bias. After the show, I'm going to go on the internet and I'm going to get a shirt that says I'm gently tolerable. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> the best thing ever bro gently tolerating ricky bias one dose at a time <laughs> can't go wrong yes you, you can wrong, yes you can you could definitely go wrong rick how you, you been man it's only been a I'm couple good, days bro. it's only been a, a literally a couple days uh since we last talked yeah bro but i'm excited because today is the day it is the day where people are afraid people are going to stay behind closed doors for something other than covid it's because there's going to be a lot, a lot of, how can I say this? You know what? I'm just going to say it. A lot of debauchery going to be happening today for the Marine Corps birthday. Today is the day our beloved Corps, the anniversary of when our beloved Corps was implemented and it was born. I'm excited, brother. How about you? I'm not. I'm not this year. I normally oh. am. Um, I'm proud. I'm, uh, I, I, I feel hollow. I, I feel empty this year. You ever have your good years, your bad years? This is a bad year for me, Rick. Hmm. I, I, uh, I think back and, and think about the things that I could have done more, maybe given more time, done more things. I, I think about people that aren't here anymore. I, uh, it's a bad year for me. I'm not feeling it. I'm not. And I, I also know there's a lot of people out there that hear these shows and we we talk about it the time that we served and stuff like that. And they they like it. Some people don't like it. Whatever. Men, women, you've all served. And you know what I'm talking about when it's like, yeah, I just want to go get, get a coffee this morning. I'm not looking for tons of thank yous. I, you know what? I'm not even going to tell anyone. <laughs> Anything. I'm just going to go pay full price for stuff. I'm going to park further away in the parking lot today. I just want to be left alone. That's that's kind of where I am this year with it all. I'm 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 tired, Rick. Not to be a Debbie Downer. I think it's a beautiful thing. I'm all for celebrating. But my problem right now, if there was going to be a celebration, I'd want it to be with other people. I don't want to do it on Zoom. I don't want to do it online. I'm I'm tired from all that. I want to do it with people. I want to connect with people. I miss that connection with people. And that's kind of what's got me bummed this year. That's all. That's all. That's more than anything, you know? No, understandable. I get it. I get it. Um, it it's a, uh, yeah, I should tone down my excitement then. Um, yeah. No, no, so no, no. I, Keep your excitement <laughs> up. It, you got to keep this thing moving forward. No, so it, look, it's, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Use your words. No, I was <laughs> I'm going to use my words. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no. I get excited because I get I get to get together with some of my brothers and uh, I, you know it's I I get what you're saying. We get this plan for uh, tonight where we are going to go out and, and just have a good time. We are going to call you. We are going to zoom you and a well, lot you got to tell me in stuff. advance when that is, so that I'm not just buried uh, on my couch sleeping in, no, a, in a wallowed <laughs> depression. Okay, tonight seven thirty p.m. seven thirty p.m. tonight we will be calling you Pacific time. I got it. No. Eastern Standard Time, not Pacific Time. Pacific okay. Time. Pacific Time. Yeah. Got it. No, not Eastern. You call Pacific. me at 730 Eastern. I ain't even going to be around. 730 Pacific. Killing okay, me, 730 Pacific. Got it. Thank That's you. when we we'll call you. Preach. I got you. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? I get that, bro. So you're going to get to see uh, some of the guys. I am, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Good. I get to see the original little face. I get to see uh, Remy. And I get to see uh, some other people that I don't think I should be mentioning because I don't no, think they want to. No, that's good. Totally good. 
<laughs> well, tell yeah. everyone I said hi. Look forward to getting that message, and then we'll go I from there. Go. You know, maybe have a video chat, ski or something, and go um, from there. You know, hey, um, sure. you uh, you sat down with the Ava Group, but uh, before we talk about them, you're chomping at the bit to say something here. What do you got? Yeah, you know, be before we jump in with the AVA Group. Um, Sorry I wanted about to- that. Sorry about it. AVA. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, because it's. I sat down with them. Awesome, awesome group. They were on the show in the past, uh, uh, earlier this year. Yeah. But one thing I did want to ask you, in the spirit of Veterans Day, in the spirit of the birthday of the Corps, um, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Um, you're in high school. You're about to finish high school. Why did you decide to join the Corps? Why did you sign up? I had a very bad night. Um, I, I went out with some friends. Uh, the night did not end well. I was supposed to be somewhere the next day for a audition uh, for a very specific university, a uh, very specific school, mm-hmm. and I missed it. It was a beautiful opportunity, too, a potential scholarship on the table, uh, pursue the acting career, and uh, I flubbed. You know, I, I didn't make it. I had a bear, very tough night the night prior. Uh, so the next day, I just woke up and, you know, I was raised in a family with a lot of people that had served and had some stuff mm-hmm. ingrained in me, so I... I literally called all branches that day. It was like a Sunday, and I left a message for everyone. Marine Corps called me back first. Whoa. Okay. That's it. Done. The Coast Guard could have called you first, and you could have very well have gone there. They didn't call back. Um, The Army called two days later. The Navy called the next day. They were a day behind. Army was two days later. Uh, The Air Force, I think it was like at the end of the week, because they were doing some stuff with things, and the Coast Guard like never called. Yeah, <laughs> got it. Yeah. All right. So you served for four years. Um, you got out. So well, you was just a little I, over four, believe it or not. Okay. It so really was four and a half. Well, you stayed longer for the float, right? Didn't you? Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um. Okay. So you're. I know. Once you go into the military service, and you go ahead and. You have one type of mentality going in, and you spend over four years there. Uh, you learned a lot. Your eyes are open. You travel the world. You get out. Do you still have the same feeling going into the service as you are getting out of it when it comes to being proud of what you've done in those four years? It was different for me. Okay. It's different for everybody. Okay. You know, I, I was raised in a family where two different grandfathers were telling me stories about their times on the island. One grandfather's talking about Guadalcanal and and the Philippines while the other grandfather's talking about Iwo Jima. No shit. So coming up in a family where this is the root of the stories and the way that you're taught and trained and learned and, and learning to think ahead and holistically to potentially save your life and those lives of those around you. There were, there were just a lot of things with the basis of the culture that were already ingrained in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, di- I didn't know terminologies and, and acronyms and things like that. But the way that that core change comes to be, for me, it was more so opening a relief path for the voice to come out for the thoughts that were already there. Mm-hmm. Got it. Really? Really? Okay. You know, I mean, my own father. It's a, it's a very sordid story. Going, I there's there's only so much I can say too. But when you think back to like the Cuban Bay of Pigs missile crisis, he 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 was the guy over in Turkey that was helping helping prevent some bad things happen. You know, it's it's been through my entire family, going back a very 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 long time. And everyone's done their thing. They take their time. Uh, honor and respect for each other, and you move on. You build your life. But out here, the world in there doesn't prepare you for out here. The world in there, as you're serving, tells you things about out here. You relearn things about out here. But the actual reality that you're no longer on vacation, Mm. uh, you're no longer on leave, but you're actually moving forward with a different aspect of your life. That's hard. Yeah. There's a lot more resources for guys getting out now, gals getting out now than what we had. 
And I think that's an amazing thing. I still think that there's a lot of hard work that needs to be done to to raise the spotlight on things that you did while you were in instead of them, you know, being overlooked or, or talked down to. But that's even changed in the past 20 years. Um, but that just continues to go into the changing uh, uh, landscape of, of, of the way people lead organizations and the way that they hire things that we talked about on the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to, I don't want a book report from you. I'm, I'm not looking for a synopsis because I'm going to listen to this live okay. with you right now. Mm-hmm. But having the AVA group on, man, I wanted to be there. I had some stuff come up that day. I, I still wasn't back from the whole election hiatus at that point when you sat down with them. I, I couldn't pull the trigger just yet to get back on the show in time. How'd it go? It was good. It it, it went great. Um, it was really good to sit down and talk to them. 10,000 I mean, yes, foot view. Talk, what'd you talk about? Well, we we talked a little bit about what they do to remind everybody of, okay. of, of what they do. But I really wanted to focus on, on Ryan. And I really wanted to focus on Damien, right? Just to see for their service. Because they both served in the Marine Corps. For over 20 years, they retired. One, um, uh, I think uh, uh, Ryan was a, a helicopter pilot, and Damien was a crew chief for a, uh, a helicopter squadron. And they got out. They retired. They saw that need that you were just talking about in transition. They got together with Erin Emery, who is just an amazing HR pro, and she has this big heart for Yeah, she's for, a good person, yeah. too. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Them three got together and was just focused about Damien and Ryan's careers. And more importantly, Erin gave us a little bit of insight of her growing up within a military family and what it feels like to be back, be in the support system when your father goes away on deployment. So we talked about that support system as well, which is crucial for, for veterans today, especially with everything going on. It was a really good show. Well, with that being said, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Ricky Baez and the AVA Group. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in again. Ricky Baez here, coming to you live from A1A Beachfront Studios in sunny Orlando, Florida. And man, do I have a great group of folks that I'm going to talk about, uh, that I'm going to talk to today. Um, Now, you may have heard of them. They were on the show back in June, episode 242, from veteran to civilian with the AVA group. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Aaron Emery. We've got Ryan Morning, and we have Damien. Thanks. I was trying to wake you up. And we got Damien Bates. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome them. All right. Team. Yeah, happy to be here. How are you guys? Yeah, we're doing great. Ricky, how are you? Uh, you know, doing great. It's, uh, you know, the elections are still going on. I don't want to talk too much about it, but it still happened. It's being drugged out. It is what it is. But you know what? I got a nice cold one waiting for me downstairs, and uh, I'm happy. I woke up, went to work pay taxes some way, somehow, and now I'm back home, so I can't complain. And it's about 60 degrees in Orlando, so it's even better for me. Now, that's as far, that's as cold as I want it here in Orlando. That's it. No more than that. Other than that, I'm great. I think we're warmer than you are. We're at, my truck's at 63 degrees. Where are you? I'm in Maryland. That's, that's exciting. That's freaking insane. That is insane. Yeah. yeah, I got 61. I got 61 on my truck, so I think we got you beat, Ricky. Is that, aren't you near... Aaron, and how is it so much difference in degrees? <laughs> are you guys in the we're, same area? We're parked next to each other. We're social distancing, and it's two degrees different. Apparently. <laughs> Got it. I bring the heat, I right. guess. Got it. What about you, Ryan? Because <laughs> I heard Ryan is in a tower somewhere um, in Dubai just hanging out, watching everything happen. Because, you know, that's what billionaires do. What's the temperature over yeah. there right now, Ryan? Oh, it is a balmy 61 degrees, oddly enough, uh, from my uh, ivory tower here, also in California, Maryland, uh, a.k.a. the Dubai of the East Coast. So if you haven't been, I highly recommend you check that out. So, you know what? The Dubai of the East Coast. I like that. All right. Well, I mean, obviously, he's not really in Dubai, folks. I don't want to give anything away. But look, um, I'm excited because this is the veteran episode, and I couldn't think of a better group of folks to talk to than, you know, not only veterans, but and people who support the veteran community, but you actually put 
um, your 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 experience together, your motivation together to form the AVA group. Um, if you want to remind our audience back from from the uh, previous episode, what is the AVA group and what is your core mission? Brian, I'm going to let you take that one. Sure. So the AVA group is uh, is um, uh, a nonprofit of 501c3 uh, nonprofit organization that we founded here uh, back in July of 2019. And what we saw was a, a gap in services provided to veterans in our local area here around the Patuxent River Naval Air Station here in Maryland. Um, the Department of Defense, Department of Labor do a great job of putting on some transition classes to help um, transitioning service members, whether they be uh, just separating from service or retiring, uh, and their families even, um, transition out. It, it, they do things like resume writing. They talk about how to translate their military skill sets into resumes for the civilian world. But what we found was there was a, a gap in those services. And mm. uh, once you do a one-week class, that was kind of it. So uh, one of the things that the, um, the host of those events here at Pax River had done was she had started an industry panel. And we really capitalized on that. And we've turned that into a networking event. Uh, so we try to coincide our events with um, the, the classes that are put on here on the base. Mm -hmm. And we do uh, an industry panel and networking event where we allow uh, prospective employees transitioning out of the military and their spouses come in and uh, speak with um, different representatives from uh, businesses of all different sizes. Yeah. We've got small companies that are a handful of people up to your big boys, your, uh, your Booz Allens, your BAE systems. Uh, we've got phenomenal, phenomenal corporate sponsorship that allows us to do, that at, do this at no cost to the veterans. Yep. And uh, we look at this as kind of a win-win-win. We've got a shallow talent pool here in Southern Maryland. It's not a big draw to bring new people into the area. So if we can capitalize on these quality individuals and their families that are transitioning out, keep them in the local community, number one, it helps the local community. Mm -hmm. Number two, it helps the veterans and their families. And number three, it helps our local businesses. So that's kind of uh, how we've modeled this. And, uh, you know, what we're seeing now is, um, is COVID had kind of put a big hit on things yeah. and stymied some of our progress starting back in March. We did our first in-person event uh, at the beginning of last month, and uh, we had tremendous turnout. In fact, we got to full capacity. Uh, we had to comply with all the CDC and local and state regulations, but uh, we had to cap the event because we had enough uh, folks come in that we couldn't allow any more to come in. So we're looking at uh, other ways to go more than once a month and provide additional services to uh, the vets and their families. So just to make sure, even with COVID, everything happening in the world today, you still had to cap the event because you had a huge and even bigger turnout than what you planned for. Is that correct? We did. Yeah. And I don't know if it's uh, it's just because people are tired of uh, being shut in yeah. or if it was because there's a psychological component to uh, hearing that uh, you get, you're going to get capped at a certain capacity or if it's just they found out that we're doing such good things here and we're having such good uh, job placement rates for the veterans and their families in the local area, that the word's really gotten out. Um, not only did we have a fantastic turnout of individuals, but we had corporate sponsors that showed up. And we also had several companies that are not yet corporate sponsors, but ha uh, we've had several that have signed up since the event. Mm. Uh, that, and that just provides additional resources that we pass on 100% to those veterans and their families. And that is just absolutely awesome. You know, because it, it's, I remember talking, you know, just, just back in that episode, because it, it's, um, to me, the biggest thing for me was that transition period, right? So I'm really glad you guys got your heads together and all your 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 collective education, experience, and leadership and motivation to put this together for the community. But what I really want to focus on is just you three. What makes you three you three. What makes you Ryan, Damien, and Aaron? So Ryan, uh, actually, I'm going to go to Damien real quick. So Damien, you retired from the from the military in 2014, right? It, it, it's how long? How long? Yeah. So how long was it that you spent in the Corps? So I joined the Corps in 94, uh, spent 20 years, right? So retired in 2014. Okay. Um, and loved it, you know, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't change a thing. I tell everybody, you know, people ask me, you know, do you miss, do you miss the Marine Corps? And I say, you know, I miss the Marines. I don't necessarily miss the Marine Corps, right? Like, <laughs> um, it, you know, that's a, that's a tough life, but, um, you know, it's that camaraderie. Right. And, and I think that that's what drives me is, um, when I was getting ready to retire, I think I said this in the last podcast, um, you know, 
it's the only thing, you know, your entire adult life. Um, and that's one thing, but you know, that's your family, man. You know, um, that's, that's, that's everything to you. And you're getting ready to walk away from it and you, you want to make sure you're set up for success. Now I've been blessed to, to join, you know, an organization, uh, that has, you know, other retired Marines, mm-hmm. uh, veterans, um, you know, spouses, uh, people who come from veteran families. And so, um, I'm able to, to scratch that itch, uh, with, with the people that I'm around, but, you know, it was that feeling of, of losing, losing your family, losing your identity, that really drove me to say, uh, I, I need to help people make that transition because we have so many organizations out there, this, this you know, giant sea of goodwill uh, of, of, of people and organizations that want to help veterans, but it's the intangible part of community. It's yeah. the intangible part of family that I think is one of the most important parts of the transition. Um, you know, the studies show that it's within that first year that uh, veterans will either succeed or start to fail. Mm. And, uh, you know, as, as anyone who, you know, who's dealt with any adversity in their life or whatever, you know, your family sometimes is one of the most important rocks or anchors you can have. Uh, so if we can provide a little bit of that by providing the advice that we have almost as father or mother figures, parental figures, if you will, um, to these transitioning veterans and, and give them uh, a support network, a safety net mm-hmm. to, to navigate these, to navigate this sea, uh, then, you know, I think we're doing the right thing. Now, when you first went in, in 1994, did, did you go in enlisted or did you go into the officer candidate program? Yeah. So I went in enlisted. Um, you know, I was one of those guys in high school who, uh, was having a good time. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I wasn't thinking too much about what was next. And then all of a sudden, it was time to think about what was next. And I, you know, I just, I'll be perfectly honest. I wasn't prepared. I didn't know what I wanted to do. That's a tough, you know, I think for anybody, that's a, that's a tough ask of an 18 year old, you know, but make the decision that, uh, you know, you know, you want to do for the rest of your life. And so I wasn't ready for it. And, you know, I was, I can still remember the day I was sitting home and, and uh, the phone rang and it was the Marines and, and they were looking for a few good men. And of course they found me. And so I joined and, uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, one of the greatest decisions I made, you know, it was difficult of course, but, um, I joined and I I got a great job, you know, I was air crew and, uh, you know, we can get into a whole ground side air wing thing, but, you know, I got to get in a helicopter every day and just fly out and go up. And, uh, you know, even when we were on the boat, you know, every day I get to get to get up and, get on that, that helicopter and get off the boat. Right. Yeah. And just some of the things I've seen flying around. And, you know, that's what, that's what drove me to, to stay in 20 years. I just, you know, I loved serving my country. Um, I love the job that I had. You know, I tell, I tell people all the time, whether you serve four years or you serve 30 years, you're making a contribution to your country that, that most people don't, don't make in a lifetime. True. Uh, yeah. So for me to be able to, to feel good about doing that, but also love the job I'm doing uh, it, it just compelled me to stay. Uh, and then of course, nine 11 happens. And, you know, I'm about halfway through my enlistment at that point, And, uh, there was no question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had to stay and, uh, and continue to serve and, and, and defend, uh, all that we stand for. And, and, uh, you know, next thing I know it's, it's 20 years, you know, and <laughs> it goes by uh, like that they, a bit. They huh? say, <laughs> yeah. They yeah. say it flies by and man, that is the truth. Um, so, you know, I had a great job. I loved what I was doing. I was around some great people. And, you know, no matter how much rank you pick up, you always feel like you're learning something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was always able to learn. And, uh, you know, it just provided me with such gratification and just such such a strong sense of accomplishment and, uh, you know, fulfillment. And, you know, 2014 hit. But at that point, you know, I'll just say, you know, it was, you know, I was married now. I had kids and, um you know, it was time for me to start investing in a second, the second half of my life mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, giving back to them and giving back uh, to the community that, that had served me so well, uh, you know, ba- you know, using the lessons that I had learned. So you said that y- you love your job and you got to go into a helicopter every day. So you so you were a crew chief. Yeah. So I was a I was air crew on CH-53s, okay. crew chief. Um, and, uh, you know, we we ran. Uh, all the maintenance, all the inspections that took place prior to flight, the post-flight inspections, and then during the flight, 
you know, we did everything from, from manning the door guns to the tail guns to, you know, supervising the loading of the, the cargo mm -hmm. to the troops, um, you know, helping with the pots. You know, that's a, the CX-53, for those that don't know, is like a giant school bus flying yeah. around in the <laughs> sky. Uh, just a little bit more. It's like a school bus with a with a Corvette kind of handling. Um, and, you know, the pilots are sitting up front there, man. They can only see about 180 degrees. And that thing's, you know, 100 feet long. So, yeah. you know, they, they can only see so much. Uh, and our job is to make sure they're clear, help them. Uh, you know, anyone who knows or has heard about landing out in the desert in Afghanistan or Iraq, uh, you create a, a massive dust bowl. Uh, but because of the, uh, the airflow of rotors, you, you get this little window underneath you. Pilots can't see it, uh, yeah. but we can. And so we help them land in these desert environments. Uh, it, it was just amazing. Awesome. Uh, you know, from my, my tours on the East Coast, flying up and down, uh, you know, the East Coast to being out on the West Coast, flying up and down Southern California uh, with the sun setting, you know, to the side of you, uh, all the surfers down in the water below you, um, to your deployments, you know, yeah. prior to 9-11, doing med cruises and, and flying over the, the pyramids of Egypt uh, to, you know, doing Westpacs and landing in inactive volcanoes in the Philippines. I mean, it just, wow. it was one of the greatest uh, experiences of my life. So, so you was a crew chief for a CH-53. And again, for those of you who don't know, I, I believe that's the biggest helicopter in the core. And I think has the biggest payload and ha and it's the strongest one, right? It, it's, it's, it's just a powerhouse. Is that correct? Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. Right. So you worked on that one, and then going over to Ryan. Ryan was actually a pilot for a helicopter in in the Corps, but not for the fifty three. Ryan, what did you do for the Corps? So I was a uh, pilot for the mighty, mighty CH forty six C Knight, the mm. venerable forty six C Knight that was replaced by the V twenty two Osprey. Uh, but I, uh, I started flying, uh, came into the Marine Corps in 1998 as mm -hmm. an officer and finished up flight school. It takes forever for, uh, for Marine officers to get through flight school. We, we start with the basic school, which is six months, mm -hmm. basically infantry tactics. Uh, and then you go and you start your clock for your weight to start flight school. Mm -hmm. So I got winged in, uh, in April of uh, 2001 and went to my first fleet squadron, then uh, East Coast uh, flying 46s. So did uh, two combat deployments. Um, the first one was on the 26th Mew. Uh, we were afloat for eight months. Uh, we went into Liberia. We did the uh, the civil unrest there when Charles Taylor and the warlords were down there mm. causing hate and discontent, um, only to be usurped on the front page of the, uh, of the USA Today by the blackouts that happened in California mm. the same day. So we got uh, coverage for like one photo of us landing and bringing in supplies to the, uh, the blackouts that happened in California. Wow. Uh, we also went into Iraq on that one. Uh, we yeah. went in on the, on the northern route. It was actually the longest um, self-contained launch of Marines in 46s in history. Uh, oh, wow. We And then we uh, – sorry, the dog is barking in the background there. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go on mute here. This might get messy. I don't no, know no. here. One second. You're good. You're good. Go ahead. I'll come back over to, uh, to Aaron. Now, Aaron, um, so – you know, for those of you who don't know, Aaron and I met about 10, 12, 40, I don't know, 40 years ago. I'm just kidding. 2010. We were in San Diego at a, uh, at a Sherm conference. Um, no, but, you know, Aaron, it's one of the things I love about your energy and I love what you do is just how passionate you are about the veteran community. So can you just tell us a little bit about why you have that passion? Not, 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 not that I'm questioning it, but I want people to know where that comes from. So can you just tell me a, a little bit on how you got started into, into, into this road where you are today to helping veterans transition from military life to civilian life? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't know, many, many folks don't know, but I'm actually a Navy dependent. So my dad is a retired Navy captain. So I grew up Navy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I was he went to med school and then went active duty when I think I was, I don't know, in the fourth grade or something like that. So I've been to eight different schools growing up. So I know what it's like side of things. Um, and so when I graduated college, funny story, when I graduated college, I actually wanted to be a clinical psychologist. And my senior year, I, I took a clinical psych class and hated it. Um, and so that was like my last semester of college. And then I was like, oh, shoot, what do I do now? Yeah. Um, so I actually fell into recruiting and I started my career at at Booz Allen um, 
in you know defense contracting and that's that's actually kind of how I, I fell into the on the defense side of things um and ended up you know kind of just falling in love with recruiting on the hr piece and then in the defense world and so being able to meld both you know growing up as a, a navy dependent um and then kind of just knowing that you know every holiday you had um you, you had someone that was serving at your table that you didn't necessarily know, um, mm. that, you know, didn't, didn't, wasn't able to go home for the holidays. Right. So there's yeah. always somebody new at, at your table and you're always welcoming into your home. Cause that's just the way you grew up. Um, then to being able to, you know, I was hiring folks who were transitioning out. And so my career early on, I actually, um, as a recruiting tool, right. We, we started out, you know, we went to, whether it was job fairs, I started out on these employer panels. Um, and then it just, you use it as a recruiting tool initially. And then I kind of just fell in love with the ability to be able to not only network, but be able to, to take it and focus on helping folks in the next path, like that, that next career step. And that was 22 years ago. Um, and it's just been something that, um, you know, being able, again, just being able to help folks focus yeah. um, and, and help them into their next career, career change um, is something that I've just, you know, enjoyed. And that's, that's kind of been what the drive, drive has been for me so you know you know um, Damian Ryan and I and even JC we have a uh, uh, a different perspective because when uh, I've only it's so uh, JC and I we went overseas just one time on a 26 mu actually on the uh, uh, on on the USS Nassau uh, back in 1998 to 1999 and one of the things that that we saw it's 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 how hard it was for the with us, we were single. We didn't care. Whatever. We trust me. We had a great time in Spain and Israel and Greece, all those places. But you know, Aaron, you have a unique perspective, right? Because when 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 these guys leave, you got to see what the support structure was at home, and it's not as easy as it looks, right? Yes, it's harder for the person who is deployed, but it's equally as hard for that support system at home, whether it's a husband, whether it's a wife, whether it's a child. So can you speak to that, to those things you saw when your dad was deployed? Well, you know, absolutely. You know, I mean, I remember my mom, you know, she's a, from a career perspective, you know, you see my mom was a nurse. Um, mm-hmm. She still is a nurse, um, retired. But, you know, as a from a career perspective, you know, I watched her it's one career she could at least transfer with, right? Yeah. That skill set was something she could, she could use and she could always find a job somewhere. Um, but it's also, you know, she had to balance working full time, taking care of three kids. But then in addition to that, you know, she was the ombudsman. She was, mm-hmm. you know, she was making sure that she was, you know, the officer's wife. So she was making sure that everyone else was also taken care of. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's a big, um, that's a big load to carry on your shoulders as well as every time we moved, if dad wasn't home, mom was the one doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, she was the one making sure that, you know, the house was packed, that, that the movers were packing stuff to make sure that the crystal wasn't broken and, yeah. um, you know, making sure that, that everything was taken care of care of and, and scoping out the next house to make sure that we, you know, had somewhere to go. And, and so, you know, my, that's a, you know, again, a big load on, on that spouse and family to, to make sure that they do. And, and then from a recruiting perspective, you know, I, it's something that I think a lot of recruiters and it just kind of speaking from an HR perspective, aren't aware of, you know, when you look at a resume um, of a military spouse, unless you are familiar with what that type of resume looks like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times it looks like a job hopper because every couple of years yeah. there's a new job and it's, and it's a different, sometimes it's a different industry because they take what they can get. So, so you have to really, a recruiter has to have a trained eye to kind of look at that and understand why, you know, without having to go, Oh, just throw it to the side and not give them an opportunity. So there's, there's a lot of challenges there for a spouse um, and, or just, you know, any dependent. Yeah. So, so Damien, I think you said that you was married while you was in there, right? So, so can you talk about yeah. a little bit of of some of the hardships that you've endured just being away? Because it's it's different you being away, but it's got to yeah. be excruciating hard for that spouse not to hear from you because that happened at a time where cell phones were were not as prevalent as they are today. So it's got to be excruciating. It's really hard for the spouses and the kids not to hear from you, which is, I guess, no news is good news, right? Can you speak to that? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm so glad that you uh, you brought that up because I was listening to Erin talk and she's 100% right. And, you know, it made me think of my time in my deployments with my wife. And, you know, yeah, 100%, you know, um, it, it, what's amazing is, you know, my first deployment, 
um, you know, I married my high school sweetheart. So, you know, my first deployment, uh, we weren't married yet. She was in college. I was doing my thing. Um, and you're right. This was like mid nineties. And, you know, all I could do was rely on the mail, you know, coming out to the boat. And, um, you know, it was always like two weeks behind. So I would get a letter and I'd read it and it was like two weeks, you know, old and I would write her back, but I knew that, you know, stuff had already changed. And, um, and it was great because towards the end of that, they started getting like email, right? And, and you'd have to, but you'd have to wait in line and you only got like, you I know, remember that. I don't even, I think you got like 10 minutes and, you know, you could send an email off and then you were good. And then you come back the next night, you hopefully have a reply. You get to read your reply, shoot off an email and then you were done again. Right. So, um, you know, that was kind of crazy um, going from having a two week lag on your life mm. to being able and that then it turned into a kind of a 24 hour lag on your life. But the, the, the bigger thing was this, right? You go and you're gone, whether it's six months, seven months, eight months, nine months to a year, they, they establish their own routines, right? They establish their own um, lives, so yeah. to speak, as, as do we, right? I mean, to your point, you know, in the early nineties, I'm, you know, we're going to Barcelona, Spain, we're having a good time. Uh, we're hitting up all these great places, going to Italy. We're doing all this awesome time. Um, you have to get into a routine and you do that. Well, you know, you know, my wife and I, we got married in 1998. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so my deployments prior after that. Um, and then when our kids came, uh, she, she got her own routine. The kids got into their wow. own routine and then you come back. Right. So now you're, you, you're, you're the, you're the deployed spouse. You come back and they've got, they got their system down, yeah. you know, uh, my wife was a trooper as, as are most military spouses. Mm-hmm. Um, they hold the fort down and they, they get into their routine and they got it locked and, and you come in and you're like, Hey, here I am. Let me in, inject myself. And, <laughs> and it just throws everything off and nobody likes it, man. <laughs> nobody wants, yeah. you know, nobody wants you injecting yourself into what they've already got established. And so, um, you know, that's a, that's a, um, a real challenge for, for both sides. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the spouse and the deployed spouse, they got to learn how to work together and, and meld or mesh their routines. Uh, you know, for the deployed spouse, obviously the routine is very different. Yeah. The truth of the matter is you got to fit back into theirs because that's life. Now, you know, the routine, you, the routine that you established, whether it was on a boat or it's in the desert in Afghanistan or Iraq, uh, that doesn't fit into the routine back home. And so it's, it's a huge challenge. And, uh, you know, I think you got to give your hats off to the spouses who are home, holding it down, paying the bills, you know, getting the kids to school, getting the kids to soccer practice, baseball practice, you know, uh, making sure, you know, doing the, the parent teacher conferences, all that kind of stuff. You know, um, they're doing it themselves. And some of them are even, you know, holding down jobs and, and doing it all by themselves. And yeah. um, and they do it like like champs. And so you get back and think that you're going to save the day and really you're just a nuisance. So uh, it's really, <laughs> you're another um, mouth to feed. <laughs> it's, it's really a, a process, you know? Yeah. Well, well, Damien, I, I, I can't take credit for that topic. Erin and I were talking early and she's like, we got to talk about this because this is just as important. And you know, and, and I'm like, you know what? You are a thousand percent right. Yes, Veterans Day is coming up. Yes, we should honor veterans and thank them for their service. But we got to thank the spouses that, that support staff and the families and everything that goes involved in that. There's a lot of heartache there, too. So, okay, so, Damien, yeah. Yeah, so, so you was enlisted, right? So you was married through several de- de- deployments, one, two, or quite a bit? Yeah, I was married through about four deployments. Four, okay. uh, one, one where I was single, and it, well, not single. I, I, oh my god, my wife would kill me for saying that. I was, you know, <laughs> we were boyfriend and girlfriend. Uh, but uh, one where I wasn't married, and then four where I was married. Got it. So Ryan, I don't know if Ryan's back. I don't know because I know Cujo was uh, making a lot of noise back yeah. there. Ryan, you good? Yeah, that's our uh, that's our attack Yorkie. She's uh, she's a hot mess. I'll tell you what. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know about Yorkies. I'm good. So Ryan, quick question for you then. So you being a pilot, you spent uh, uh, 20 years in the uh, in the Corps. So I'm assuming that um, when you deployed, 
there had to have been some policies, some conversations with all the other junior officers about the support system that needs to happen back home. Was there any policies, any talk? Because I know when you're getting ready to, you know, to just dress up and just play up and get everything going to float out or just go anywhere else, um, you focus on the equipment, you focus on the processes, but what kind of work goes into that support system back home? Can you speak to that? Yeah. So, I mean, fortunately for, for me, um, I was, uh, I was single through, through all my deployments. Um, I didn't get married until, uh, I was here at, uh, at Pax river, my last duty station. Okay. And, uh, a lot of that was personal choice, to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, I saw what it was like, you know, hearing Damien talk about this and seeing, you know, my cousin and his family and, and what they had to go through and then seeing all the Marines and some of these relationships that you thought were so strong. And then you'd come home and things just unraveled. You know, it, it is a huge ask. And this is a single guy, you know, that was saying this, right? I mean, I looked at it and I was amazed at uh, the stress that it puts on families. And some of it, it, it brings them closer together. Other ones, it just completely destroys them. Yeah. And you'd be really surprised at which ones are which. Um, you know, as Damien was saying, you know, when I was deploying, it was, we had email, we had some of that stuff, but it wasn't as prevalent as things are now. Social media certainly wasn't what it is now. Yeah. And so there was a spouse's network. Uh, I remember having a long-term girlfriend and uh, the spouses wouldn't allow her to be in the spouses network. I'm talking long-term nine years and the spouses wouldn't allow her to be in the spouses network. So a bit interesting when you think about something that is like interesting. that. Um, huh. But I remember some of the, the coolest things that I saw were um, they would uh, allow people to come in and, and read a book and they would film it and they would use armed forces network people to come in uh, at Al-Assad air station and they brought people in and allowed people to read books to their kids. And then they would broadcast it and they would send that clip back. So it was, you know, mom or dad, that was a pilot or an air crewman or a maintainer. And they're reading the saggy baggy elephant to their kids. That is awesome. And then, you know, the kids are getting to watch it on TV, which was cool. Right. Yeah. So there were some things even back, you know, in 2003, 2005, that time frame where we were still trying to engage and still trying to do those things. Um, but you made an interesting, you said something there that really triggered something for me. And that was, I thought, honestly, and Damien, back me up on this. Tell me what you think. I thought the workups were almost harder on families than the deployments because we would do workups leading up to a deployment, like for a mew, <laughs> and we yes. would be gone for maybe a month or three weeks. Yeah. So now Damien's talking about they're in this routine and mom is mom and dad or dad is mom yeah. and dad or whoever that spouse is at home is filling all those roles. And now you roll back in here after three weeks and now they're like, what are you doing, dude? Don't mess up this rotation here. <laughs> yeah. Once you're gone, you're gone, and you're focused on your mission. Once you're gone, they're focused on their mission at home. And it's almost easier when you're gone because, you know, workups, you have to pack up the same amount of stuff. Yep. You got to take all your trash out to the boat. You got to do all those things no matter what. And back at home, they've got to gear themselves up to play both roles. And uh, I think that was just as hard. What do you think, Damien? Yeah, I mean, you know, what what makes that part so crazy, what makes that part so crazy is that, you know, when you make the long deployment, you go, you're gone and you're gone for, like I said, six months to a year yeah. um, and they, they establish it. But it takes a little bit to establish those routines that we're talking about, right? So when you're doing your workups, you know, whether you're gone for a month, you're gone for three weeks, you know, you're like, hey, and especially if you got kids, right? Like, you're like, hey, daddy's going away, right? Like, daddy's going to be gone for a little while. And you go, or mommy's going to be gone, and they go, and then, you know, and then you're back in three weeks or a month, and they're just starting to, they're just starting to get their groove on, and all of a sudden you're back, yeah. and they're like, oh, oh, daddy's back, okay, so now everything changes, and you're home for a little while, and then you go do another workup, and then you're gone for, you know, however long that is, and then you're back, you know, and so you're almost messing with their heads, right, and then all of a sudden you're gone for good, and so, well, not for good, but, you know, gone for an extended period of time and so yeah they don't they don't ever get a chance to establish that huh. groove uh to establish that routine uh and it makes it it makes it really hard um workups are definitely tough that's a great point ryan and uh you know I, I, yeah that yeah, is a good sure. point though it, it's it's um because it, it's i mean again i wasn't married back then but uh, uh it's, i've got a seven year old now right and i have to travel for for work, right? And then whenever I, it, it, it's, I love, I'm going to get cheesy here real quick. So bear with me. I love what I get to do every day for him. 
right? It, it's I really thoroughly enjoy that. And things happen for a reason. Had I had him 20 years ago, I'm sure I would have been very different, but I'm more mature now, right? And I'm glad I waited when I did. Uh, but but even if I'm gone for like four days, I go crazy, right? I can't even imagine being gone for a month. I can't even imagine being gone for six months. And here I am thinking, dang, I miss my wife. I miss my kid. But I'm like, what am I, a punk? You got people out there doing it right now. <laughs> and then at wartime, right? The only thing I got to worry about, right, is somebody snoring next to me on a plane. You guys got to worry about being shot down, all these crazy things, and then worrying about your family. So that 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 can really take a toll on somebody, right? Yeah, for sure. And, 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 you know, here's the other part of it. And I don't want, you know, we can get heavy if you want, we can get heavy on this stuff, but you know, it's one thing to talk about being gone and coming back and making that reunion and everything is happily ever after. Right. But unfortunately with what we've had going on over the last, you know, gosh, 20 years now uh, with these wars and things like that, guys and girls, you know, these service members are not coming home, uh, intact, right. Yeah. They're not coming home, um, ready to live happily ever after. And I think that's where the spouses really have to get all the credit in the world because, you know, they said goodbye to a service member to go serve their country. And then that service member comes back and there's, you know, there's some things that are going on now and, and it's heavy stuff. And, um, you know, the service members who are dealing with depression, with PTSD, with anxiety, with bipolar disorder, whatever, whatever the case might be, uh, those spouses are dealing with it too. Uh, yeah. The kids are dealing with it too. And that support system uh, is strained now uh, because everything we just talked about with the, with the smiles and the laughs and the jokes, you know, um, they have their routines. Uh, it's one thing to inject yourself back into that routine. It's another thing to inject, um, you know, all that other stuff into it as well. And so, you know, the spouses, um, you know, they are there for their service member mm -hmm. and they're the ones uh, who are key, if not critical to a successful recovery uh, from, from those types of uh, wounds, uh, whether they be mental, physical, or, or moral, it, it, uh, you know, they're the key to, to that recovery. And so they take on almost uh, an insurmountable burden, um, you know, to, 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 to be there and, and, and protect and support their, their, their spouse. So that, that, uh, so wow. Um, that really takes it to, to a completely different place because I was not even thinking about that. I didn't think about, cause again, it's, I was lucky enough not to be in that kind of an environment, right? Especially with everything happening since nine 11 all the way till right now. But I didn't think about that. The person they say goodbye to is not the person they welcome back home. You are a thousand percent right with that. And that makes it even yeah. that much more important to recognize uh, the uh, support system, right? So it, 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 it I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So and I, Ricky, I, I think one thing there too, you know, Damien hit on it is, um, you know, with, uh, with technology and advancements and things, we see more wounded warriors now. And when I say wounded warriors, we start to think of, you know, someone who maybe lost an arm or a leg yeah. or different things like that, or were shot or things like that. But I think as Damien's saying, I think it's those invisible wounds that can be even more trying on a family dynamic wow. when, when a service member yeah. comes back. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where it's critical to ensure that veterans and their families know that there are organizations like ours and like Warfighter Advance, who's one of our partner organizations out there to help. And uh, I think sometimes that's the hardest part is knowing where to turn and how to get that, that service member or their family or whoever it might be, their caretaker, their caregiver, uh, the support and the services they need to help. Uh, and, and, you know, that's one of the things that we try to advocate for. And we always say that we don't try as an organization to duplicate the services that are being provided. But if we can be a conduit by which those veterans and their families can get the services they need, then that's a win. That is awesome. That is awesome. That, that, so, so that, that it makes what you're doing just that much more impactful because um, again, what, what really got me to what you guys do is just that help that patch that bridge to help these folks who wrote that blank check, right. To the U S government and not knowing what's going to happen. Right. 
and now they're going back to they they, they did their time. They're going to go back to the civilian life, and what you guys are doing is just absolutely amazing. So I really, really do appreciate it. So with that said, because this is the veteran episode, the veteran show, what are some key things you want the audience today, right now, to walk away with? Aaron, I'll go to you. Some final thoughts. Um, just that they're not alone, that, that it's, you know, the transition um, it can be intimidating and it can be a little scary, I think, kind of just knowing you know, that, that it's the unknown, but knowing that um, they will be 100% successful because there are organizations like ours all over the country. There are resources out there for them. Um, so take advantage of them. Um, and they're not alone. Just, you know, mm. there, there's, there's folks there that will are willing and, and want to support them and thank them for their service. Damien? Yeah, I think going along with what uh, what Aaron's saying is, um, you know, it's it's certainly an overwhelming and intimidating uh, transition. Uh, it's an it's an intimidating position to be in, um, but there are plenty plenty of organizations out there that are uh, poised to to help people out. the The key to that is you got to know what your choice is, right? You got to know what you need to pick. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to humor me for a second. You know, there's, you know, Doritos did this study where they had all these different flavors of Doritos and, and they put them all out in a grocery store. And, um, you know, anybody who likes Doritos knows, you know, you've seen all these different flavors and they had people, te- they tested people and they had them stand in front of it. And, and people were paralyzed by the choices. There were so many choices they didn't know what to pick. Right. And veterans are faced with that during their transition. Now there's a million organizations out there. Like I said, I call it that sea of goodwill. Um, and, and, and they get paralyzed and don't know what to, which, which group do I need? What organization do I need to help me? Right. And so what Doritos realized was, Hey man, we need to stick with, we need to stick with cool ranch and nacho cheese because we're going to sell more products that way. Uh, we're, we, we are the nacho cheese and cool ranch of the veteran transition community. Um, I love, you know, (laughs) that should be on your tagline. (laughs) That's perfect. You know, you, you come to us and we're like Ryan to Ryan's point. We're not going to duplicate services. We're, we're not, we can't do what, you know, what warfighter advance does. We can't do what the IAVA does, but what we can do is what we're good at, but we can also evaluate what your short-term and long-term needs are and help connect you to the resources you need, uh, help connect you to cool ranch or connect you to nacho cheese <laughs> so that you get what you need uh, to be successful in your transition. So that is awesome. And I, folks, I'm not showing off here. I will be one of those guys at that supermarket who would try every freaking bag. So I'm proud of that. That's what I would do. So um, Ryan, final words to you. I think the one thing that we haven't touched on that I think is critically important for veterans uh, is uh, education and training. Okay. Uh, we're talking about, you know, support. We're talking about help. We're talking about assistance. We're talking about programs for them. But whether you're still in uniform or whether you've already transitioned, there are all sorts of avenues by which you can get education and training. And I encourage everybody to go out and explore those opportunities, Uh, especially if you know that you're maybe a year or two out from taking off the uniform. There are so many training opportunities available to you while you are in uniform that are so prohibitive when you get on the outside world or cost so much money. And you can get that training while you're in and it's free. There's also veterans programs like Syracuse University. Uh, they've they partnered with uh, was the J.P. Morgan and they they do um, the uh, the PMP and some other training that you can get. So you can get certifications, you can get qualifications, and there's ones that your spouse uh, are, the spouses are eligible for as well. So I encourage everybody to do that because you know honestly, when you get that and you invest in yourself, that is something that goes with you no matter where you are, whether you're in uniform, whether you're out of uniform. Uh, it stays with you. So getting those certifications, getting those degrees, getting those qualifications, whatever it might be, I don't think that can be overstated enough. So take advantage of those resources. If you don't know what's available, reach out to an organization like ours, and we're happy to help you try to navigate. And like Damien had mentioned, you might not even know where you want to go or what you want to do, but if you reach out, we can have that conversation and help guide you through that and, and help expose some of those resources to you that you may not have known uh, existed. And then that, that's the way that you can start down the, that different path that you never thought possible before. Awesome. 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 And so if somebody who's listening to this right now wanted to get a hold of you, what number, email, website, how do they get a hold of you right now? 
So our, our website is um, www.theavagroup.org. And then we are also on LinkedIn as well as Facebook. So they can, um, you know, link in with, or link up, link up with us, um, uh, connect with us on Facebook, on LinkedIn, as well as follow us on Facebook. Awesome. And folks, yeah, that- and- I'm and sorry, you can, uh, I'm sorry, Ricky. And yeah. you can, uh, you know, if you go to our website, there's a contact us page, uh, where you can actually, uh, pick and choose, you know, kind of what services you might be interested in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we do have a phone number, uh, for anybody out there who just wants to make a phone call. Uh, it's eight, three, three, four, the AVA. Eight, three, three, four, the AVA. Yes, sir. Perfect. And also that website again is theavagroup.org. The AVA is the Americans Veterans Assistance Group. Folks, thank you very much. Aaron, Damian, Ryan, I cannot thank you, first of all, for what you're doing and for just being here with me today. Thank you very much, and I really appreciate it. We will have you back, I promise. But what you're doing is just spot on, and it's more important now more than ever to make sure we help these folks transition over. So thank you very much. Oh. Ricky, thank you. Thank you for, for doing this, for taking the time on HR Talk, uh, you know, to spotlight uh, veterans, organizations like ours, uh, just everything that you do. We really appreciate it. Um, you guys are fantastic. We got this. Hey, Look, just pay me thank in Doritos. You. I'm good. <laughs> hey, thank you and JC for your service. You know, that's something that we didn't do on, on the front end of this, but thank you for your service and for any vets that do listen to this. Thank you all for your service, your sacrifice, and for that of your families. They, and you guys 100%. as well. And, and you know what? Again, I did it last time. I got to give Aaron some kudos, man. Because let me tell you, if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't be here talking right now or before or even this together. So, again, the support staff, everybody, Aaron, Damian, Ryan, thank you very much. I cannot wait to come back again. You guys have an awesome week. Thank you. Have a good night. Goodbye. Bye, Ricky. Current events this uh, this day, <laughs> this day is uh, it's not brought to you by anyone but but us. We don't have sponsors. Let's be honest about it. Okay. Hey, uh, I know I jumped right into this because because uh, I wanted to, but aside from that, that was a good interview. It was okay. Yep. It was all right. I mean, you're you're getting to reach that Charlie Rose status to a point. I, I, I feel very not. good. <laughs> yeah, I feel I like hope. yeah, I feel like my child has grown up. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, like I look at you and I'm like, oh, he's come so far. This guy. Hey, can, can you find somebody else to compare you to, dude, other than Charlie Rose? No, no, no. You got the Charlie Rose vibe. Like, there's going to be an allegation against you someday. Like, that's what I don't want. There may already have been. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> I couldn't find nobody else. Matt Lauder. No, that's the wrong one. Crap. I don't know who to pick now. All right. Uh, your first article here is coming from Chiefs.com. Chiefs.com. Uh, Chiefs recognize Marine veteran Eric Gormley as uh, their salute to service honoree uh, that they present by Crown Royal. Uh, no better way than to better celebrate to uh, military service than by celebration through whiskey. So uh, it says here in the article that was written by Matt McMullen. This is at Chiefs.com. You know them. Love them. Red Kingdom. Right. The Chiefs have a rich history of supporting the men and women in uniform throughout the years. And well, the traditional salute to service program can take place at Arrowhead Stadium this year due to COVID-19 pandemic restrictions. The organization still doing its part. Marine veteran Eric Gormley was named the Chiefs salute to service honoree presented by Crown Royal ahead of this Sunday's matchup or last Sunday's matchup against the Carolina Panthers. And you already know how that game went. So look, Gormley's time in the service included two deployments to the Middle East in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom and time in Peru as part of a joint training program with South American military units. He also served his country right here on U.S. soil, deploying to New Orleans to assist with relief efforts in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. It all started at a bowling alley. He was at a bowling alley on a Thursday night during his senior year of high school. He got a call from a recruiter. It was his second week of actually having a cell phone. It was one of the first phone calls he ever got. He graduated from a pretty prestigious high school where a lot of students kind of had college all figured out. He wasn't one of those kind of students. 
So this phone call, this opportunity, it excited him. Thinking back, he says, a lot of wonder that if he never got that phone call, he doesn't know where he'd be today. Gorley met with the recruiter, and the following day, originally set out to be a military firefighter. But those Mm. hopes ended when he later learned he was colorblind. Despite a change in plans that didn't hinder Gormley's desire to serve his country, he remained in the Marine Corps, and soon enough, at 19 years old, Gormley was headed to New Orleans to support relief efforts following one of the worst natural disasters in U.S. history. Quote, I didn't have a great sense of life outside Kansas City prior to joining, so it was amazing to learn more about the rest of the world and see how other people lived, even after Katrina, just seeing that In witnessing how people were getting by, Gormley said, I also think about the friendships I built. Just being there for each other was a huge deal to me. It's that camaraderie that inspired Gormley's current mission of assisting fellow veterans as they transition from a career in the military to pursuing higher education. In fact, just a decade removed from his time in service, Gormley is actively building the Department of Student Veteran Support Services at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, as the program's director. I would highly advise maybe trying to get Gormley in touch with the AVA group, and let's try to build some bridges here. That's all I'm saying, you know. Great guy. Served his time. Did some amazing things. He's building uh, this outreach uh, uh, branch over at the university. Great stuff. Excellent salute to service there. On behalf of Chiefs.com, uh, it stood out to me as as uh, some stories do. Ricky, over to you. That's awesome. You know, it's it, um, it, once you put on that uniform, you get out, you take it off, you still have that sense of duty, right? That that just because your responsibilities in uniform stop, right? It, it, it's your sense of duty continues, and I'm glad to see people that are doing that especially what Gormley's doing uh, over in Kansas City and also what the AVA group is doing and what countless of other nonprofit organizations are doing because that is exactly what's needed. If we have the capabilities to lend that helping hand, especially for the people who have walked the same path we have, or if you have a desire to help people who've walked a specific path, um, there's no better time than now to go ahead and do it and just step up, start that 501C and just make it happen. So I love to see stories like that. 501C, like... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, five... <laughs> like a, a non-profit in the ocean, organization. Right? Yeah, N- not in the ocean, just a non-profit organization, which, you know, again, it's your whole your whole purpose is to fulfill that need, right? Not necessarily to make a buck. Yes, you do make a buck because you, you need money to, uh, to uh, follow through any initiative, but um, just to see that out there happening and helping these folks in transition, um, whether it's coming out of the Corps, Air Force, Army, Navy, really doesn't matter. When somebody puts on that uniform and write that blank check, it, it, it's we have a responsibility to, to help them out to transition back into civilian life, and I'm happy to see things like that. I, it's We need more. <laughs> we definitely need more of that. That's why um, when I was done speaking with the AVA group, and even last time you and I had that conversation with them, I told them, Anybody that comes across your path that needs any resume, help send them my way. I know Erin is perfectly capable. She has plenty of experience, but that could be really overwhelming. So any way that I could throw my help out there as well. And this goes out to everybody out there listening right now. Any veteran out there that's thinking about getting out, thinking about um, transitioning to civilian life, whether you spend two, four, six, or 20 years in the Corps, in the service, any kind of service that you put on a uniform for these United States, give us a call. Let us know. I'll connect you to the AVA group. I'll connect you anywhere that where I can help you to help you in that transition. That's what happened to me. Um, and I'm happy to be able to do that and pass that along to everybody else who's going to serve, is serving, and finish serving. Either way, we're here to help. It's time for Florida Man Stories. It's what first sergeants live for. One night in Iraq, a first lieutenant went to visit the first sergeant for a chat in his living area. The lieutenant entered the room and placed his weapon against the corner. He left about 15 to 20 minutes later, weapon not in hand. 
The first sergeant patiently waited about 30 minutes to see if the lieutenant will get his defecation in sequence. <laughs> then the first sergeant proceeded to disassemble the lieutenant's weapon and distributed the parts among the living areas of the rest of the entire unit. That was awesome. Don't you just love when a first sergeant training plan comes together? Richard Martin, Major, Infantry, U.S. Army. So that's all fun and games until they get attacked and that lieutenant needs that weapon. (laughs) You've all heard of the Air Force's ultra-high security super-secret base in Nevada, simply known as Area 51. Well, late one afternoon, the Air Force folks out at Area 51 were very surprised to see a Cessna landing at their, quote, secret base. They immediately impounded the aircraft and hauled the pilot into the interrogation room. The pilot's story was he took off from Vegas, got lost, and spotted the base just as he was about to run out of fuel. The Air Force started a full FBI background check on the pilot and held him overnight during the investigation. By the next day, they were finally convinced that the pilot really was lost. He wasn't a spy. They gassed up his airplane, gave him a terrifying, you did not see a base here, briefing, complete with threats of spending the rest of his life in prison. Told him Vegas was that away, and on such a heading, and sent him on his way. The day after, though, to the total disbelief of the United States Air Force, the same Cessna showed up again. Once again, the MPs surrounded the plane. Only this time, there were two people in the plane. The same pilot jumped out and said, Do anything you want to me. But my wife is in the plane, and you have to tell her where I was last night. That's from Allie. Thank you, Allie. And meanwhile, to keep secrecy, we have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Poor guy. He's about to. That was a horrible plan, dude. Horrible plan. It's that time of the show, Rick. Go ahead. Uh, some of your final thoughts and best ways to people uh, to reach us. It, it's to every veteran out there. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your resolve. Thank you for wearing that uniform. Happy birthday to all my brothers and sisters out there celebrating tonight for the only birthday that matters, the United States Marine Corps birthday. Stay safe. Take care of each other, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Ricky Baez and the HR Talk Podcast, I'm JC. Drive safe. Have a good night.